0: Glad you're with us today. Leland's going to do a quick visit, I think, in chapter one, and then he's going to get into chapter two where we meet here, of course, on the day of Pentecost, giving sermon. So, uh, we're glad you're here. And since I was going to read the announcements, there's no announcements, I'll hush and turn it over to Leland. Oh, I know what.
1: Oh, should we turn it over? I, I did. What I was going to do. Uh, I get emails from Scott McKnight, and he started doing a prayer every Sunday. So pray with me, please. Oh God, because without you we are not able to please you, mercifully grant that your Holy Spirit may in all things direct and rule our heart through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. 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 Um, oh. Does anybody need a syllabus? Just, just one time. Okay. Anybody else need so a syllabus?
2: Thank
1: you. And there are still plenty of Acts, journal, books, if anybody wants please take one. And with a little bit of trimming with scissors, the syllabus actually fits in the the front cover of the Bible. Oh.
2: Thank
3: you so much.
1: So um, I'm going to try to spend five minutes or less on a little short speech in Acts 1. And, and that is verses 16 to 22. And uh, we'll just I, I'm just going to use this sort of as an example of how we are going this class term, what sort of things we're going to, to try. So in, in Acts 1, we've got the ascension, and then the group comes back to Jerusalem, and uh, there's here, as you may remember, a discussion of selecting a twelfth apostle. So we'll, we'll read a bit and say a few things. Uh, so let's see, start with verse 15, 15 Acts 1:15. In those days, Peter stood up among the brothers. The company of persons was in all about 120 and said, Brothers, the scripture had to be fulfilled which the Holy Spirit spoke beforehand by the mouth of David concerning Judas who became a guide to those who arrested Jesus. For he was numbered among us and was allotted his share in this ministry. Then, at least in this translation, there are parentheses, so there's a parenthetical comment. Now this man acquired a field with the reward of his wickedness, and falling headlong, he burst open in the middle, and all his bowels gushed out, and it became known to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem so that the field was called in their own language Akodama, so in in Aramaic. For it is written in the book of Psalms, may his camp become desolate and let there be no one to dwell in it, and let another take his office. So One of the men who have accompanied us during all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from the baptism of John until the day when he was taken up from us, one of these men must become with us a witness to the resurrection. So, I had said we would look at it sort of who, what, where, when, and then if there's any application. So who, this is Peter. Um, We know from previous verses there was a group of disciples, it tells us there's about 120 of them, included women, so even, even though Peter is addressing them as brothers, it's obviously an inclusive term because there were men and women uh, in that group. Um, where, they're they're back in Jerusalem. Uh, one thing that we may talk about later, uh, throughout Acts and certainly here as the, the beginning, Peter refers to the group as brothers, brothers and sisters. So that it's, there's a real family closeness uh, immediately and perhaps at some future point, we'll talk about uh, family uh, as community and, and how it was then, uh, I think there's a little bit of a difference between our sort of social structure with families, we, we move around we, as a culture. we move around so much that uh, few of us I well, Steve is close to a lot of his family I, but uh, for better or worse uh, <laughs> but uh, we, we are not, but anyhow uh, they very quickly referred to other believers as This family. Um, So who, what, what? This is a a discussion led by Peter of replacing Judas, the the apostle who was now deceased. Uh, There's been some discussion over the centuries, well, Paul seems to be the 13th Apostle. Why did he, you know, why did they not just wait and sort of jump in uh, and pull him in? But uh, verses 21, 22, make it very clear, the person they want needs to be a witness, a, a witness, to the, to the, all of the events of Jesus' life, death, resurrection. Um, So Paul doesn't fit to that, to that criteria. So when, uh, this is shortly after the ascension, we, they just say in those days uh, verse 15 so within a day or two or a few days there they, they work together what's the the application and the, the sort of structure of what Peter is saying. Um, I wrote down two things. One is, and this pattern will continue through practically every sermon and speech that we see, and that is, Peter uses scripture. He, He bases his proposal on on scripture, and then if we look just two verses farther on down, prayer is involved, and they, verse 24, and the, the group prayed, and the third item, which I would gladly take some input. Uh, This procedure followed on by casting lots. Just curious, has anybody been involved in a church congregational decision-making process that involved casting
3: lots. <laughs> of, the church I grew up in, when I was a little girl, to choose elders, the men would gather and and draw lots. Oh. I know because my uncle got one and he
1: didn't Great. <laughs> 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 <Right. laughs> uh, you know,
0: it's interesting. I think it's the last instance we have in the New Testament, but. In verse uh, 24 says, "You Lord know the hearts of all. Show the show which one of these two you have chosen." Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I I would have I would have thought it was the lots by chance that was chosen, but God had already chosen someone. Mm-hmm. Show us by lots which one you have already chosen.
1: Yeah. I mean that that was the purpose of doing it was to get input from God. Yeah. Apparently.
3: And uh, thought about that. Why they did cho- didn't choose? As we know, in the early church, James, the brother of Jesus, was the de facto head of the uh, Jerusalem church. Yeah. Now, why wasn't he chosen? Uh, I, I, don't know. I, I don't know. But obviously, having this was a this was all Jewish group, so they needed. That symbolic 12th apostle to uh, uh, to say this is a reconstitution of uh, the Jewish 12 12 tribes of Israel, 12 12 apostles and everything. So, uh, why didn't they choose James? Good point. They don't tell us. Well, that's what it says they didn't choose, they were asking God to show them
1: so, Steve, is questioning God. Why didn't you? Change? Yeah, why didn't you? God, why didn't you? <laughs> we, we can question God, can't <laughs> sure. sure. uh, Well, I, I, I have another story about casting lots, but I'm going to skip it. Uh, okay. And the. I'd like the, to hear
3: that. I'd yeah, like to the, hear it, too.
1: Well, <laughs> well, this goes back to my freshman year in college. And and, uh, there was a friend of a friend, a a, um, (coughs) female college student who I think maybe was a sophomore or a junior when I was a freshman. And she had grown up in the same town in Arkansas with uh, one or two of my friends. And I, I don't remember what, she was majoring in business or Um, something, I I don't remember what at the time. But she apparently was questioning her future and thought that her future should be more directed to service than her current major was. So she decided maybe she should go into nursing. And um, actually put two pieces of paper in a hat. One of them written, you know, business major and one of them written nursing major. And uh, as I remember the story, prayed over it and then stuck her hand into the hat and pulled out one of the pieces of paper and it said nursing. And she, uh, at that time when I was at Harding, they didn't have a nursing school. So she transferred and, and went on to nursing school. And I remember at the time, I thought she was crazy. (laughs) I I mean, that was just so foreign to me that um, she would make a life choice based on picking paper out of a hat. Um, Looking back on it, I guess I don't think it's as crazy as I did at the time. But I I do remember prayer was involved. um, Her friends and her family were sort of like me; they thought she was crazy as well. And I, I I never had any contact with her. I don't know.
3: Well, we have. I assume she went
1: into nursing.
3: Well, we have. We're we're so rooted in Western, you know, we have to weigh the pros and cons Uh, of any particular decision. This side, that side, that side, and you know, you make you can make just as many mistakes using the scientific (laughs) method as you can (laughs) (laughs) the other way. Probably so.
1: Okay, Peter's sermon at Pentecost. So Acts the second chapter, the. Speaking actually starts in verse 14. Uh, If if you remember this story, the first 13 verses have some comments about the coming of the Spirit and the uh, tongues of fire and all of that. Um, One of the things I think I didn't mention last week is in going, as we're doing, going through the book of Acts and looking at sermons, there's, you know, maybe a third of the text, or maybe 40 percent of the text, is in uh, quotation marks as a as a sermon or a speech by someone. But in fact, there's lots of other places, and I started marking some of them. I won't go through that at the moment. But at the end of this sermon, way down, verse 40. It tells us. And with many other words he bore witness and continued to exhort them. So Luke is saying, yes, I've given you some direct quotations of the sermons to to tell you, to show what was said. But there's also a lot more that was said. And, And you can imagine if if Peter had a crowd of a few thousand to talk to he probably talked more than I don't know I haven't timed this but 5 minutes uh-huh. it's probably the readers five digest minutes. or cliff note version yeah, yeah yeah so uh, let's let's look at the uh, the text of this sermon starting in verse 14 But Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them. Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words. For these people are not drunk, as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. 9 a.m. But this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. And Peter quotes from the second chapter, from what we see as the second chapter of Joel. And in the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams, even on my male servants and female servants in those days. the name of the Lord shall be saved. And we go back to Peter talking himself. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves know, this Jesus delivered up According to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. For David says concerning him, (coughs) now he quotes from Psalm 16, you will make me full of gladness with your presence. Back to Peter speaking. Brothers, I may say to you with confidence about the patriarch David that he both died and was buried, and his tomb is with us to this day, being therefore a prophet and knowing that God has sworn with an oath to him that he would set one of his descendants on his throne, he foresaw and spoke about the resurrection of the Christ, that he was not abandoned to Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. This Jesus God raised up, and of that, we all are witnesses, being therefore exalted at the right hand of God, and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured out this that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. For David did not ascend into the heavens, but he himself says, now quoting from Psalm 110, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand, until I make your enemies your footstool. Let all the house of Israel, therefore, know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And with many other words he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, save yourselves from this crooked generation. So who? Peter. Uh, Peter was a Jew, obviously. Here he's speaking to Jews. He's speaking using a lot of Jewish scripture, uh, quoting from, from Joel. I think one person I was reading pointed out that it's interesting, Peter doesn't explain the the prophetic passage from Joel. Okay. He just, you can see him sort of pointing what you've seen This is what it is. What you've seen happening to this group of of disciples that morning uh, that they were trying to figure out, the audience was asking whether they they were actually drunk at 9 in the morning. But uh, Peter just quotes from Joel and says, this is it. the long-awaited plan had come, and it, it's interesting. Uh, and I, I don't know if somebody may have time, but The uh, this text, these thirty or so verses, uh, is fairly short, and and uh, but it gets in uh, in the in the middle. There is, what, 20 verses 22 through 24, so 22, 23, 24. One way of looking at that is that Luke has has put here for his audience. We talked last week about who the audience was. and, And obviously Peter was preaching and there was an audience there. But Luke was writing for an audience. And these three verses sort of give a summary of his gospel. So he, he is pointing back to the, the big points in, in Jesus' life uh, on earth, and then including later on the ascension and seated at the right hand of God uh, and reigning. I have a slide for that here a little bit later. OK. So, where they're in Jerusalem, when, day of Pentecost. So, I'm sure I don't need to remind you. Pentecost is 50 days after Passover. Um, kind of a dual holiday, a bit agricultural, but also, um, if you go back to the original Passover, they sort of picked 50 days after Passover Uh, so 50 days after the exit from Egypt was the giving of the law on Mount Sinai so Pentecost was also a sorry that's my alarm okay Pentecost was also a a celebration of the, the giving of the law and I think I'm gonna try to give Kent 15 minutes. So the only thing I'll say is it is so obvious, even, you know, here we are starting in the second chapter of Acts at the beginning. The spirit is the big character on the stage. Uh, The spirit is doing, speaking uh, being described uh, okay okay well, thank you. you know uh I'll
0: take my coffee cup today. okay sure nt right. wright talks about what god did in genesis chapter 6 the tower of babel he is now reversed it's interesting that he, differed, he uh, disperse the people as he told them they should do. I'm sorry, in James 11, Uh, in chapter six, I think he told them to uh, spread after the flood, spread and fill the earth. In chapter 11, they decide they're gonna build a city so they will not be scattered. Now God has used, what he he has kind of flipped that, hasn't he? That's interesting to me. Um, I think about Peter and the credibility he has you know, I think in a way, do you, do you see that maybe Peter could say, when he says that you have crucified on the cross, or you handed him over to a godless man and crucified him? It also could be said, I suppose, that Peter would say, by my actions, I crucified Jesus on the cross. And if people knew Peter, and the disciples, of course, knew and those 120, But if people knew Peter, they would know he's speaking from a point of credibility because he—he's a changed person. You'll remember he was the one that denied Jesus three times, but now he's a changed person. They were kind of scared at one point; they hid after the uh, crucifixion. Now they're speaking boldly, and uh, I like what Edgar Guest said: "I'd rather see a sermon than hear one any day. I'd rather someone walk with me than merely tell the way." The eye is a better pupil, and more willing than the ear. Find counsel that's confusing. Example always clear. I'd rather see a sermon. I think Peter is kind of demonstrating a sermon. Uh, demonstrating this is a changed person. He's going he's gonna to now speak with great confidence. And uh, when you meet someone with the confidence, it's kind of compelling. I don't hear another great theologian said this. I uh, I have a friend who, after 38 years in the military, he retired, and he did the triathlon thing. thing, you know. Bicycling, I'm not sure how far. the 10 miles? Uh, s- swimming for a couple, three months, I don't know. Four, five months, and then a marathon. I don't like hanging around people that convict me. <laughs> you know, I was sick a few years ago, and I gained 100 pounds now. This is 100 pounds later. And, and, uh, but I like bringing around people that are good on their diet, because they convict me. Nothing worse than, or more ordinary than a good example. right? Peter, that person of Peter, his credibility, he's a great example. And this long-awaited prophecy from Joel Joel was written, people disagree, maybe 900 years before Christ, 600 years, whichever. There aren't any There aren't any signposts related to uh, contemporary history of this day, so we don't know exactly what's written, but written hundreds of years before. And this audience, this Jewish people, these devout Jews, devout Israelites that were living in Jerusalem, he uses the authorities that they would know, a prophet, of course, David, a thousand years before Christ. And... Uh, so I think we have in this sermon from what we have, those three verses that Leland was talking about, I, I, I borrow this from someone that I came came upon this sort of outline and if we're talking to people who want to know who Jesus is I think this would be a good six point outline if we have the time for six points and in this in this story that Peter is saying, he talks about God has become a man. This man, Jesus of Nazareth. That's, that's a stretch for some folks, isn't it? That God would incarnate, that he would come to us and put on skin and show us how a fully human person by God is supposed to live. I think that's what he wanted in the garden, here, right? And then authentic, authentication, oh, easy for you to say, attested by God with great miracles and signs. And uh, they may have seen some of it. This audience may have seen some of the miracles and signs. Then he was crucified. You nailed to the cross and put him to death. And I, I would also say that maybe he could say first person, I nailed Jesus to the cross. Crucifixion. Resurrection, God raised him up. Now, <clears throat> in Acts, uh, later on, when Paul is talking to the folks at Mars Hill, that resurrection is what through them, I mean, they—they're used to all kinds of gods. I mean, there were a temple, there was a temple there that was given to many gods, right? And there was this one idol that was made for the sake, in case we caught in any, forgotten anybody, here's one to the unknown god. But that resurrection thing was the thing that caused them to stumble, and that's where Paul spent some time in that speech. But here, uh, he raised him up a couple of verses there, verse 24 to 32, and ascended. And uh, these twelve were all witnesses to his resurrection. We know in First Corinthians 15 there were uh, five more than five. It says more than five hundred uh, witnessed Jesus after he resurrected. And then the ascension. Uh, that's in our first chapter of Acts there, and uh, exalted at the right hand of God. Uh, we briefly talked about, last week I talked a little bit about Stephen and how Stephen looked in heaven and saw Jesus standing at the right hand of God, so the Son of Man, that's a that's a Messiah term, isn't it? the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God, that caused them to gnash their teeth and they really got after Stephen, of course. I think we look at Stephen in a couple weeks, maybe. Uh, and in glorification, God has made him both Lord and Christ, Messiah. Um, I, this this strikes me as a good approach if someone were wondering who Jesus is who do we believe Jesus is uh, or if, uh, so I think I think that makes makes a good point I think you built his credibility by like quoting Joel a uh, long uh prophecy and uh, what you are seeing today he would say has come true and um, God has been on uh, he has um, named Christ as king. He hasn't been inaugurated yet, maybe. He, but rather than uh, setting the world upside down, maybe he's come to set the world right side up. Maybe he's come to uh, make the world right again. And This Jesus, who uh, was a man of Nazareth, uh, was son of God? Um, so those are those the thoughts I have today. I, I don't uh, want to keep going. I'd rather hear from some of you. Maybe you have some thoughts about what we've talked about today, Liam and I, or I here today, or anything else that you see applications to this message from Peter to that, that group of folks.
1: I think it's interesting that Peter, in a a very short time of speaking. It's all the high points. I mean, it, it's a complete um, description of who Jesus is for these Jewish people living in Jerusalem.
0: Yes. Yes, they they knew that. That's right. That's right. And, you know, as we meet people, I, I you probably met people. And I remember when I was in minister I'd, I'd do weddings for people. And often it was not anybody connected with the church I was at. And I ask them about their spiritual experience and their Christian experience. That that kind of say, "Well, I never really in the church thing." And I think they think Christianity is <clears throat> going to church and singing real loud. Be sure you put money in the tray. Don't don't drink and don't dance and don't smoke and go to church on Wednesday. That's how they might think of Christianity. But Christianity, of course, is a relationship with Jesus. And if we can, I think <clears> the <throat> skeptics could allow this to be taught them if if we could tell the story, if we could tell the compelling story of the gospel, how we can be made free from the guilt and shame of our sin and have hope of eternal life, what a what a great what a great thing it would be if people would understand the basic things about Christ. And I agree that this really kind of covers the whole gamut.
3: Um, I thought it was just a really nice kind
1: of sermon because I think it really shows not only the result you can get from a really good sermon, but also how
2: to deliver a really good sermon. Because I found that sometimes sermons are just like you're being told stuff rather than it's a teaching moment. Um because I find that the best teachers are those who use the knowledge that you already have, which is quoting of Joel, quoting of David, things like that.
1: Um because otherwise you're not gonna reach your kind of designated audience. So this is just like right at the beginning of Acts show, hey, here's Peter giving a really <coughs> good sermon that had some really good 3,000 to join, uh, 3,000 baptisms, really good results, um, and this is kind of how you would deliver. Make sure you go through your six set steps, introduce Jesus, but use knowledge that the people who you're talking to oh, already yeah. have. What,
0: build on build on their understanding. And that day, we have, uh, if you were in first hour, if not, you'll hear the sermon in second hour. But Josh was talking today about that parental love that that uh, that is between the parent and the child. God had 3,000 babies that day. What a great great experience that was. You know, there were 3,000 babies born that day. And, uh, you mentioned family, how that will probably redefine family as we go through the book of Acts. Family in the pagan world, in the Roman world, was so much different than the Christians. That was one thing that was so unique about Judaism and Christianity. You know, Paul didn't used to be a Jew and now he's a Christian. Paul, for instance, Paul worshipped the same God the whole time. He didn't switch camps necessarily. He? he was worshiping the same God the whole time. But the Jewish people and the Christian people viewed family so differently. In Rome, they were kind of known for um, leaving their children out to die. You know, it was unwanted. Uh, Christians and Jews didn't do they did family differently. And we're going to see the definition. We're going to see the example of family of God, inclusive. And eventually, about chapter twelve, we're going to see a real turn in the book. And now it's going to include the Gentiles. And there's a time when it's only Jews, and it stretches them a little bit to take care of the uh, to include the Samaritans. But there's this big, almost parts of the earth that uh, that uh, verse in the first chapter is kind of a outline for the book when it goes to uh, the Gentiles. And part of the thing I think that was so attractive and helped the church grow was their concept of the family, how they treated the family, and how they took care of people. And they didn't expose their children to death. And they didn't have sexual relations with everybody, especially slaves, like the pagans did. And they had a more, godly view of, of those kind of relationships. And that is very appealing to people. I heard a testimony from a young man in chapel the other day. I mean, he was talking about uh, his parents had a family meeting with him when he was like sixth grade, I guess it was. And they announced that we think he would be better if mom and I would split. And so the kids were all crying. And he talked about his search through high school trying to find someone to give him some purpose as he looks back on it now, 20 years later. And he said, he found this family. And he said, I was so attracted to this family because of what they had. He said, they would fuss with each other, but they had that love. That he said, now, he said, I see it's from God. And he said, they became my new parents. And he talked about a mentor at the college that kind of became the father that he wanted. And family is so powerful as we demonstrate this love and the uh, so we say amen to what Josh said about that that tension and that connection between our love for our children and and how that uh, the way we show our love to God is to treat our children as the gift
1: rather than the source of the gift. Um, yeah. Um, I guess I've
2: been sitting here as you talk and thinking that, uh, you know, for the Jews... They were used to a religion uh, of tradition and of obedience to both God-made laws and man-made laws, and yet in this sermon, Peter uh, gives them a very different, extremely different person to have their faith and confidence in. Um, not a set of laws, not a set of rules, uh, but a person. And, and a person who was uh, both one that came to be close to us but was sent by God, a person who is extends grace and mercy, which they that was probably a very foreign concept to
0: them, and to have to have someone who we have persecuted, but we're receiving grace from the same one. Yeah. You know, they had the rules and the, the, the that that had been set up for tr- centuries and millennia, and not only the rules, but they had a place. And people would think people that hear Peter, excuse me, maybe Peter, but people definitely hear Paul would yeah. think that Paul is saying. He was anti Torah and he was anti temple. And they would take Jesus' comment about, you know, destroy this temple and I'll build it up, raise it up in three days. They've heard Jesus and Paul, anyway, in Acts, as saying that he was against the temple, he was against the Torah, those rules and laws. And rather than that, Jesus is the fulfillment of the temple and he's the fulfillment of those laws. And Paul would write later in Romans, right? We are the temple of God, and uh, anytime you anytime you encounter a temple, that's where deity and humanity meet. And here we have a temple and a person, and we become mini temples where deity and humanity meet. And that's what God wanted to begin with, and He wanted that. He wanted people to see that relationship, and so. Um, Thank you for your
1: comments. I, I don't know. We oh, yeah, do One of the things that fascinates me about this story <coughs> is the setting of the sermon. Because you, they're all gathered in one place, and the chapter says they're in a house. And then the spirit shows up, and there's such a commotion that it draws a crowd. Everybody hears and, uh, it. And obviously, it turns out to be a pretty big crowd. So it, you wonder, does it go out into the streets? Do they go out in the temple? But I, mean, I would just love, it doesn't really say, I would love to know how this whole thing played out. Oh yeah.
3: Good point. That's right. Well, I vision that. This is this is the holy day that uh, Jerusalem increased from 12, 13,000 people to over almost half a million people they think comes to the temple in that particular point in time. So all of a sudden Jerusalem has expanded from 12,000 to 500,000 and they're all at the temple and they meet in the house and all of a sudden they're in the temple gates because he's gonna to have to be speaking to a whole lot of people. You know, Peter must have a pretty good voice to be able to, yeah. <laughs> to be able. And so these were the, the religious of the religious people. And they had gathered, it's a very they' very the Temple Mount, they are up there under the temple of yeah. the portico, if you remember. Yeah,
0: the portico. Mm-hmm.
3: And uh, there's just a whole lot of stuff going on. And you can also see a little bit of prophecy. A lot of these people took Peter. Literally, you need to flee from this perverse generation. What is it, 25 or 30 years later the Roman legion shows up and the Christians had all left Jerusalem yeah. because they had remembered what Peter said yeah. and they were out of there
0: and he's talking to them about similar to Deuteronomy it 20 it's time for a national, a generational repentance, it's not just individual we need to this generation, shape this generation we need to uh, repent how better our time's up isn't it yeah. No, yeah. Right. yeah. Okay. Let's have a prayer for you go. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay. Dear Father, thank you for our time together. Thank you for your word that allows us to look into a window uh, back in this day at Pentecost where you very strategically placed the disciples, the apostles, there. Thank you for your move of the Spirit in our lives as well. In Jesus' name,
1: amen. Thank you. So, next week. Acts 3 and Peter again. In the temple. In the temple. <laughs> <laughs>